This is an Equity Bates Media podcast. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Have a listen to this. Have a listen to this. Interest rates are higher. I know people don't like that, but you should be welcoming a stronger economy. Maybe a deal has a point about the machinery of capitalism being oiled with the blood of the workers. The United States is a country that has always paid all of its bills. Lannister always pays his debts. Don't let the bastards get you. Hello and welcome to Comedian vs. Economist. We demystify the world of money and help you get a handle on the bigger picture my name's Adam, and we're joined as always by my little older brother and real-life economist, Thomas. Hi, Thomas. Yeah, g'day, Adam. How are you going? Uh, doing really well, thanks. Mm. Uh, had some nice feedback come in for your poetry that you oh, yeah. uh, shared at the end of the show last week, Thomas. Uh, Steffi wrote in and said it was just what she needed today uh, and wanted to thank you for sharing your interpretations mm. and impressions thanks, uh, along with the poem. So, yeah. Uh, keep the feedback coming in, cve at equitymates.com. And if you'd like to hear more of Thomas's poetry, uh, you can head to www.libraryof.love in your internet browser uh, and you'll find everything that Thomas has got there uh, just in time for Christmas. But Thomas, massive show coming up as always. We're going to be looking at the rise of klepto bros as more young people are stealing. Queensland have doubled their first homeowner grant, making it easier to buy your first two homes. And some Toyota ads have been banned in the UK for being unrealistic after showing SUVs actually driving off-road. But first, Thomas, the RBA Governor Michelle Bullock has fired shots at the government. What's the scoop? Yeah, yeah, she came out last week, took a bit of a hawkish tilt, so mm. hawkish being a bit more aggressive with respect to rate, cut, rate hikes. Um, but yeah, but saying the key, key point is she wanted to stress that, that inflation is now a homegrown problem. To distinguish it from sort of like global... That's good. We've, we've stopped importing it. Stopped is that importing. what we're saying? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Put up some <laughs> trade tariffs. <laughs> I know production was down in Australia. I'm not sure that that starting to produce our own inflation is was the answer. Yeah, yeah. You just got to support the local inflation industry. <laughs> Making some small batch inflation. Uh, yeah, right. yeah. But yeah, so, so as opposed to like global supply shocks, which is, you know, which was so the big th- the big story with out of COVID was what, would all these global supply chain disruptions translate into entrenched domestic inflation mm. um, and that's what Bullock was saying is that yep it's, it's now homegrown and demand driven and that's going to make it harder to get inflation back to target right mm. okay yeah and is she right um, yeah I, th- I mean I think so I mean that's what the data is saying I mean it's interesting that the Albanese government's still trying to sell it as a global thing Albo had a great quote he's saying uh, but of course inflation is a global phenomenon Last night, I attended a meeting of the G20 leaders, which began at 11 p.m. Australian time and went through to 2 a.m. 
So it's a bit of a, a, bit of a flex. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm burning the midnight oil. Just while you guys are all sleeping, I am flat out here. <laughs> Running the country. Another country. Not sure if you know. Right. I used to work with a guy like that, man. He'd do like 90-hour weeks. I'm like, what are you talking about? Yeah, Albo needs to work smarter, not harder. <laughs> AI, Albo. AI. You have someone sit in that meeting for you, summarize it, give you the highlights in the morning. But yeah, so he's up to 2 a.m. He's saying a consistent message from global leaders there was dealing with inflation being a global issue that the world is tackling so and I don't, I don't know it just doesn't seem to be right yeah michelle bullock's pointing out that hairdressers and dentists dining out sporting and other recreational activities the prices of all these are rising strongly so we've now got services inflation so like supply chain disruptions show up in goods inflation and but then once it's a domestic demand driven story then you've got services inflation and the reason the reason why that matters is because if it is just global supply shocks stomping on demand with rate hikes isn't going to fix the problem Mm. But now that it is domestic domestic demand driven, then rate hikes are the medicine for that for that illness. Oh, hang on. Well, we already took the medicine. Yeah, but you we, we, took the medi- <laughs> <laughs> we took the medicine when we didn't need the medicine. <laughs> but like, oh, that, that, well, the RBA was ahead of the curve on this one. I think it was it was uh, always the danger that it was going to become entrenched and become domestic trend because once prices start lifting in the economy then then they start lifting everywhere everyone the whole economy responds and so that was that was the danger and so that's what they try to head that off at the past with 400 basis points of hikes but michelle bullock saying we might need more <laughs> we, tried to, we tried to we tried to get ahead of it with rate hikes but now that that didn't work we're going to need rate hikes <laughs> like, what <laughs> Yeah. Are you kidding me right now? The rate hikes didn't work, so now we need rate hikes? Yeah. It's a problem when you've only got one lever to lean on. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. This is that blunt instrument we're talking about, isn't it? Yeah. Right. But why doesn't the rest of the world need rate like like Well, the rest of the world's not dealing with inflation that we are. Like we're you know, with the out of the out of the fifteen most developed countries, we're number one for inflation. Well, Whose fault is it? Is it the RBAs or the governments? Uh, I don't know. I, don't I mean, Bullock thinks it's the RBA. Uh, thinks it's the government, right? And Albo's saying this oh, is a global know. story. Yeah. No, she's not saying. She's not saying that. It's not. I don't know if it's either of their faults. I mean, in hindsight, we probably shouldn't have put so much money into the economy. Could have done more to lean against the energy shock by cracking down on the gas cartel. Could have like dialed back infrastructure spending a bit. Uh, well, maybe, maybe Albanese should spend. Less time at meetings. Go and get a good night's rest. Wake up with a clear head. Yeah. Have a think about. Yeah. Make some good decisions during the day. Maybe not overspending on infrastructure. All right, Thomas. Uh, Gen Z in particular doing a lot more stealing. What's going on? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Apparently, this is a. There was a study from a loan marketplace in America called Lending Tree, which I quite like because my my son has a. They have the Giving Tree at their school. <laughs> but, I think we need to like, you know, can't just get free apples. <laughs> they need to sit under the lending tree. Apples don't just grow on trees. Yeah. <laughs> you can borrow an apple, but you've got to return two apples. Two apples, yeah. Uh, right. Yeah, so good Good that we're conditioning the kids. Yeah, so lending tree saying that 31% of Gen Z consumers have stolen items from self-checkout kiosks. Was that just because they only surveyed Gen Z? No. Like no, I'm, no. I'm Gen X, right? And if they surveyed my mates and me 
<laughs> pretty pretty similar numbers, I <laughs> Yeah. Well, no, the rest of the population is 15%. Ah. So Gen, Gen Z st- stood out as having twice the proclivity for theft as other other generations. All right. So 44% plan to continue stealing. <laughs> Baked in. It, yeah. it's, it's part of my Christmas budget. It's like $646 on presents, but I'm going to actually give $947 of presents. <laughs> and the, and the, of those who had stolen at kiosk, only a third had said they'd ever been caught. Oh, yeah. So this is a, is this a self-serve checkout thing, like phenomenon? Well, this is what this survey is about, yeah, yeah. So it's not talking about right, okay. order theft or looting or any other forms of larceny. Because I often wondered if it's kind of true stealing if like you're buying five bananas but you, you put through four do you know what i mean like yeah, yeah. <laughs> cuz sometimes you just value add to to the weekly shop you know i always think of stealing as going into a supermarket and stuffing something down your shorts and then walking out mm. more of i just think more it's like just adding just skimming a little bit off the top that you deserve it <laughs> Worked hard for these bananas, man. Right. The the other side of this is the cost of living crisis. Mm. Um, is it that, that Gen Z are doing it particularly tough and they feel the need? Because yeah. most people don't want to steal, right? Like all jokes aside, people don't, most people aren't going into the supermarket to steal. But No, you're not doing it for fun. No. No. Not, no. not yeah. since I was <laughs> pre-teen. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, but it is, it is true. Young people are doing it tougher. There was a new report from ComBank out last week as well, saying that people under 30, 30 years old are now cutting back on essentials. So we had seen a cut back in discretionary, but people under thirty are now cutting back on essentials as well. Ah, uh, that's not good. Yeah, but like the the correlation is kind of amazing with age and spending. So like once you get out to like your sixty five plus, they're they're lifting. They're lifting essential spending. They're lifting discretionary spending. They're just spending on everything. Is the stealing offset in Gen Z by the number of bags accidentally left behind by the sixty-five plus? <laughs> <laughs> just left in shopping center car parks, yeah. <laughs> in trolleys. No. no, well, they're not. No, there's, the boomers aren't shopping. They're on cruises. Cruise spending oh. is up fifty-five percent <laughs> this year. <laughs> Oh, man. Online travel bookings have soared 34%. Really? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, boomers are living it up. Right. Well, is there, so what hope for young people then? None. <laughs> no, I mean, it's kind of the nature of capitalism. It eats the vulnerable and it's just unfortunate that the young people are vulnerable. We used to look after the vulnerable, didn't we? Like, the protect women and children was uh, like first rule of like escaping a ship. Sinking yeah. ship. Get the vulnerable off first. Yeah, yeah. It was changed around. Now the vulnerable are copying it. and the Well, it's more that the, the vulnerable are a good cash cow for people with money. So it's, yeah, just going to keep bleeding them as much as you can, which is just the nature of the system. Right. Can we change the system? No. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> a depressing break. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I know. I mean, yeah, I mean it's, it's, it's the... It's the it's the the sort of big tension in capitalism is that power accumulates and makes and as you get wealthier it's easier to avoid dealing with rate hikes it doesn't touch you so these stories these stories don't help then like i feel like so we we've, we've got people we've got vulnerable people who are doing things out of desperation and then we write articles saying these guys are all criminals like and calling yeah, them out as yeah. i mean i think i think there's a, i think there's a big tension and, you, and it's interesting you're seeing this rise in like organized looting 
Mm. It's like once once the once you feel like the game is is completely stacked against you and you have no possible way of winning, you just don't care anymore. You just go in and steal stuff. I think is kind of like you know like kind of the reason I don't go steal stuff is because I feel like I've got economic options to get my needs met. If I didn't, then yeah, I'd be stealing to feed my family for sure. All right. Well, lesson there is if you need to go and steal from self serve checkouts. Yeah, Thomas <laughs> says it's okay. <laughs> You look after you. <laughs> you do you. Uh, all right, let's take a break there on that somber note. Uh, let's take a break here. We'll be back with more Comedian versus Economist right after this. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Welcome back here on Comedian versus Economist. Uh, if you'd like to send us an email, you can do that, cve at equitymates.com or via the website, equitymates.com forward slash cve. And today I just finished recording the sixth and final episode in the Buy or Sell series uh, that I've been doing over on the Equity Mates Investing podcast feed. Uh, I'd love it if you went and had a listen. Love to get your thoughts. Did you like it? Hate it? Uh, cve at equitymates.com. Let me know. Uh, Thomas. Queensland government has announced more cash for houses. What's mm, happening? Yeah, they've they've doubled the first homeowner grant. Ooh, two houses. No, no, just the amount of money. <laughs> <laughs> no, doubling it to thirty thousand, so up from fifteen thousand. No, yeah. uh, until thirtieth of June, twenty twenty five. Yeah, so only for new builds has to be valued at less than seven hundred and fifty thousand has to be your first home as well. Okay, so this helps people buy a house. Well, sort of. No, this, I mean, no? this is the great, no. No, fogs are stupid. Like, they're oh. really bad policy. <laughs> I thought we, were, thought we were coming up for a breath of fresh air after the last break <laughs> about young people doing it tough. And now I'm thinking, oh, this is good. They're going to get some money to help them buy a house. And you're saying, no, this is bad. No, no. Yeah, this is right. I mean, and this is like, this is the inflation story, right? And this is the insights of modern monetary theory and all that. Like when you when you add demand and money into a system, it doesn't create inflation unless it's a supply constrained system. So if, if supply doesn't have an ability to respond, then adding demand just pushes up prices. And the housing market is a classic supply constrained market. There's not enough houses to go around we're in a massive housing shortage supply is really slow to, to respond to price incentives and so just putting money into the system does nothing but push up prices particularly when all first-time buyers are competing with each other you just push up the price of first times by thirty thousand dollars so and like and it's kind of this thing like the government's 
the state government stick with it, but like there isn't an, an economist in the country who thinks it's a good idea. Everyone knows that the pumping demand with a supply constrained market just pushes up prices. But we keep we keep throwing money into the housing market like this. It was yeah five billion in twenty twenty one, up from two point five billion in twenty twenty. So that's a lot of money. Twenty billion over the past ten years. A lot of money just to pump into the system. So what do we do instead? What's what's the answer? I reckon. Well, I reckon home owner grants is a bad idea just in general. <laughs> no, no shit. <laughs> <laughs> Like if I can on. be, if I can be frank, <laughs> you just chewed up a minute and a half <laughs> talking about why you hate them. Yeah, oh, this just in breaking news: Thomas doesn't like first homeowner grants. All right, but but okay, but so they're a bad idea in general. But if you were mm. to do them, like I want equity in in home building companies. So this this is money that's just going straight into the pockets of Metricon, Lendlease, etc. Like, if we're going to tip in $5 billion, let's get some equity. Like, let's get some upside, capture some of that profit that we're creating for these private companies. How? Well, you know, rather than, yeah, rather than just giving their customers cash, get a share of the business and push down prices that way. But who should do it? Like, the government should buy a the share of the business? Or? Yeah, rather, uh-huh. rather, than, rather than tipping in $5 billion in cash. Could the government just start its own building company? They could, well, oof, yeah. I mean, well, you're well down the road to communism there, though, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Public housing. <sighs> yeah. No, we don't do that anymore. Did we used to? Did, uh, well, I, mean, I know public housing was a thing, but I presume that, that we paid someone to build the houses. Yeah, I think it's probably a long time since the government actually owned building, a building company, if ever. I don't, know, I don't actually know. Yeah, and I think and I think there are reasonable arguments to like for the private sector to do the to do the building and not have the government do the actual building. But well, yeah, tipping all- <laughs> I've got some friends who are having houses built at the moment, and it's just like cost blowout upon time blowout. Yeah. I think the last thing that that recipe needs <laughs> is the government getting involved. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, let's let's not add government to slow builds and and cost blowouts. Okay, so. So we don't want the government building houses, but we but they could buy them. Is that yeah? Is that a thing? And then yeah, and yeah, like yeah, pub, like public public provision of housing, like yeah, like we through the Howard government, like they really ramped that back and they sold off a whole bunch of public housing, and public housing as a percentage of the housing stock has never recovered. But you know, like it, that worked as a model for a long time. Anthony Albanese grew up in public housing, right? So why don't they scrap? Why don't they scrap first homeowner grants? Like who's I think because there's no losers. Like as, a, as a political policy, you know, people think they're winning because they're getting, thir- they're getting cash. They're seeing this cash come in. They don't realize that they're now just paying more. They're, it's pushing up house prices so they don't actually get any net benefit. They don't see that bigger picture. Plus, all the private builders win because their customers now have money. So everyone wins. But it does satisfy, it does, it does get you past the bank serviceability criteria to some extent, doesn't it? Like... Because that's always the big challenge. I always used to mm, think, like, mm. I, I earned a reasonable salary back in the day and I was always like, oh, if I had a deposit, I'd probably be able to get a house, but I could never save. I was uh, terrible at saving. So mm. if it gets you into the market, isn't that at least something that we should be happy about? Ooh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, sort of, sort of <laughs> at the margin. But uh, you, you, you're making people compete against each other. Is this sort of thing like... 
individually you think you're better off, but because you're competing against everyone else who's got the same leg up, you'd actually know you know higher up in the pecking order than you were. I mean, to the extent that it incentivizes saving and makes that getting over the deposit hurdle a little, little easier, maybe it's not. Yeah, maybe it's okay. Thank you for coming around to see my side. This sounds like you're right on board now. Yeah. Good job, Queensland. That level of commitment is outstanding. All right, Thomas, finally on the show, the UK has just banned ads for Toyota Hiluxes. What's happening? Mm, yeah, yeah. So the Advertising Standards Agency, ASA, uh, has banned two Toyota Hilux ads saying that their ads condoned the use of vehicles in a manner that disregarded their impact on nature and the environment. They had not been re- been prepared with a sense of responsibility to society. Right. So, the, so just to paint a picture for our listeners, these ads were showing something like 50 Hiluxes. And like <laughs> I think it was meant to be like a bit of a stampede of elephants or a, like a, yeah, I don't know, yeah, yeah. the running of the bulls or some sort of like kind of a flock of some sort of animal yeah. running through like rivers and and outback like a, a bit of a stampede of hiluxes and then and people and people said no nah, that's that's no good we can't have that that's they're dissing the environment yeah we're li- literally trashing it i think was <laughs> literally the, trashing images it. yeah yeah but i yeah i saw the i saw the article and mm. i i'm siding with hilux on this one oh are you? yes oh. because that's what these cars are made for they're made for off-road driving. No, they're, not... they're made for driving your kids to soccer. No, they're not. <laughs> I, don't get me wrong. If you own a Mitsubishi Outlander, two-wheel drive like I do, that's an SUV that's made for driving the kids <laughs> to soccer. That's what it's for. But Toyota Hiluxes, a bit different. They're made, they're, they're work vehicles. Probably the government probably owns like a thousand of them, that like park rangers and whoever else because... As my mate who used to work for Holden used to say, if you want a reliable car, buy a Toyota. <laughs> I, I think he didn't last long at Holden. Didn't last long. <laughs> <laughs> but either did Holden. So there's a lesson in there somewhere. Yeah. But I think you, you, can, you can convey rugged, tough, high torque kind of capacities without trashing a river. Yeah, but that's what they're for. They're, they're for driving through a river. They're for driving... <sighs> Through the bush. How do you do that in the city? Take them down to the local football oval. <laughs> the local pump track. Hilux. <laughs> Some middle-aged, middle-aged man in a Hilux is driving over kids at a pump track. <laughs> yeah, I, I think this. They've they've been, but they've been unfairly targeted. Is my view. There's tons of ads out there that. That's what advertising is. It's like lying. Well, yeah, basically. Lying with a callous disregard for the environment. I think it probably is what advertising is. Ab- advertising shows you shows you things that you could like do because you think you'll be able to do them. Like people might buy a Hilux because they think they're going to go forward driving and never do mm. it. You know, like Mm-mm. there's plenty of other SUVs though that show pictures of people camping and they're all happy. And then people, you know, we might go camping once a year. You know, and the rest of the time I'm driving that car around the city. I buy Lynx deodorant and I'm yet to experience the Lynx effect. Of, <laughs> like just people falling over themselves to come and touch me. Like <laughs> that's what ads do. They, they paint this the rosiest picture or the most kind of relatable picture of what you think you want. And yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, that's true. But they're not. It's not. They're not being done because there's a lie like that. Like it's being done because it's like it shows cars trashing the environment, and that's the people who lodge the complaint, saying like, "We hang on, we're just trashing the environment here, and we're glorifying trashing the environment to sell SUVs, which." consume more fuel than regular cars you need to prove that they're rugged though you know remember when elon musk tried to prove the cyber truck was rugged by <laughs> throwing a rock at it <laughs> straight through the window <laughs> see we've tried other ways it doesn't work yeah i love toyota's, toyota's response like yeah but that image it was just ai generated oh perfect there you go well they didn't actually even stage it they just kind of it's just all docked doctored up yeah and that was their defense no. and uh, the company behind it ad free cities they're a network of groups trying to get advertising out of public spaces like yeah. all together champions like well <laughs> what is advertising without public consumption it's just like it's like a, yeah, nah. a tree falls in the forest like if an ad is shown without anyone seeing it who <laughs> who paid for it who paid for it <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I think this is a this is a bit of a storm in a teacup. Yeah. Oh, I mean, not that, not that it touches Toyota. The ads were from twenty twenty. All right, so they're banned. So that was like three yeah. models ago. They're yeah. like, oh no, no more sales of the two thousand and nineteen model. That's disappointing. <laughs> yeah, I'll let, I'll let car sales know to withdraw the <laughs> <laughs> listings. Yeah, so it doesn't touch Toyota. But it's an, it's an interesting it's an interesting standard. Like it's interesting that the advertising standards authority has linked uh, the environment with social responsibility mm. saying we, yeah. we have a social responsibility to the environment that's an interesting idea but it's a bit ridiculous that we're banning car like off-road vehicles driving off-road at the same time as we're allowing gambling ads to kids yeah no true. like we're going to talk standards <laughs> i think we've got a slightly slightly high priority <laughs> problem to solve in gambling advertising to kids before we get toyota off-road vehicles back on the road yeah. <laughs> uh, all right let's leave it there uh thank you so much for tuning in you can send us an email or leave us a message uh via facebook or instagram at cve podcast but for comedian versus economist for another week that's all from us it's bye for now comedian versus economist is a product of equity mates media all information in this podcast is for education and entertainment purposes only it is not intended as a substitute for professional finance legal or tax advice the hosts of Comedian vs. Economist are not financial professionals and are not aware of your personal financial circumstances. Before making any financial decisions, you should read the product disclosure statement and, if necessary, consult a licensed financial professional. Do not take financial advice from a podcast. For more information, head to the disclaimer page on the Equitymates website where you can find ASIC resources and find a registered financial professional near you. In the spirit of reconciliation, Equitymates Media and the hosts of Comedian vs Economist acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to their elders, past and present, and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.